Uh, G'day Church, Trav here. Uh, this week we're continuing our series on why and looking at why mission. Now there is so much that I've tried to think about and um, hopefully these questions will be helpful in just, just looking particularly at God's plan or purpose of mission all the way through the pages of scripture. It's a big theme uh, but I trust it's encouraging to uh, your growth groups. Um, let's go. Uh, the kickoff question is uh, just just open for people to ponder and share their thoughts. Uh, you know, the Blues Brothers, they had a mission from God to save their childhood orphanage. But the question is, does the church itself have a distinct mission from God? Um, and how would you describe it? Just letting people share their thoughts on um, what they think, or if there is a mission from God for the church, um, what it is. Uh, people might say, oh, look, it's to care for the poor, it's to... Um, make converts, it's to go out to the heathen and cross the oceans. Uh, I'm not sure, but again, it's just the time for open sharing. Um, getting into the Bible, uh, the first question is uh, looking at uh, Genesis 1, uh, 26 and 28 and uh, 2, 8 to 9 and 15, uh, kind of this early narrative about God revealing himself. The question is, what do these passages say about God's plan and scope of mission um, and in those early pages of Genesis, we see that uh, people are God's image bearers. Um, they had to bring in increasing order and life to the earth, to fill the earth. Um, that's, that's humanity's purpose, to, to reflect God and his goodness, uh, to say that God is generous. Um, and he's a God who blesses. It's a beautiful picture as we engage with uh, the revelation of who God is in these early pages um, of Genesis. God is a God who wants to make himself known and for people to enjoy him. Uh, but of course we get to Genesis 3, it all goes pear-shaped terribly. Um, evil impacts the world, people are both victims of evil and perpetrators of it. Uh, yet we see that God doesn't give up on his mission. Uh, there's a little point there to Genesis 3 where the serpent's head will be crushed. Uh, but question two is, how, do we see, how does God's mission continue in Genesis 12? Uh, for many, this will be the familiar passages uh, of God's promises to Abraham, um, of a great name uh, for Abraham, of a land, and wonderfully, uh, a blessing to the world. Uh, Abraham is to be a conduit, uh, or through him, blessing will come to the world. It's not just blessing to Abraham, but the, the goal it seems to be pointing to is the whole world. Remember, Israel hasn't even been created as a nation yet. Uh, this is the genesis of that nation, and their purpose will be to bring blessing to the world. God's on a mission to make himself known and to bring blessing to the world. And um, question three then is in Isaiah 43, big jumping time here. We've had Israel form, they've been in, in Egypt, they've been out of they've gone through the Exodus, uh, they've come into the kingdoms have come and gone, now they're in exile. And we read these passages from Isaiah 43 and 49. Um, we see that God continues on his mission, but the question then is, well, Israel has stumbled and failed. Who is to make God known and, and who's the intended audience? Uh, so in Isaiah 43, uh, we see that all the nations are gathered together and the people assemble. Um, and here God says to Israel, you are my witness. Um, before all the nations is his declaration. There is only one God. The false gods are not gods at all. There is one God only. And Israel is to be the witness, but makes the question, might cause the question to think, but Israel has failed so much. How can Israel um, be such a, a witness to the nations? Well, 
keep thinking. And in Isaiah 49, uh, we see these uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful words where all the nations, this is the idea of the islands, the nations to, to hear of what God has done, that God's going to call his servant um, to be a witness. Uh, he calls Israel the servant, but then there seems to be a figure who's also the servant. And, and this one is the one who's going to um, declare before all the nations, he's going to be a light to the Gentiles, uh, that this servant will bring salvation, God's salvation, to the ends of the earth. So again, there's this idea that God's still on mission. He's, he's going to bring salvation, redemption, blessing to the world, and it's for all the nations through Israel. But it seems like the nation, but yet there's a figure uh, mixed into these words of Isaiah. Um, it makes you think. And just that emphasis on God's desire to make his name known, that that is the ultimate good of all people, is not wealth or money and stuff, but it's actually to know God's name. Uh, Isaiah 36 talks about how what God does when he brings judgment on Israel um, is actually for his namesake. It's not for, um, for Israel's sake, it's actually for his own sake, which might seem a bit harsh that God would judge Israel um, and for God's own sake, but this is a good thing that the nations would know who he is. Now, skipping ahead, we jump over to um, the New Testament. Uh, we've been hearing how Jesus is, we heard last week, Jesus is God's Christ, the King. He's the one who will who brings in the kingdom. He's the Son of Man, this figure, this enigmatic figure that kind of bleeds out of the pages of the Old Testament, um, presenting in the New. And then I've got in ver- uh, question five. When you look at Luke chapter 8, now this is the story of the demon-possessed guy. Um, you can read the whole passage. You've got people who aren't familiar with the story from verse 26. But right at the end, uh, the Garrisons was in a region that was, it wasn't a Jewish region. Um, it was a Gentile area. But Jesus goes there and he releases this guy uh, from his possession. And he says, go and tell the people all that God has done for you. This incident shows us that Jesus is continuing God's mission, that the name of God would go out um, to the nations, that he is good, he's a God who blesses, and he desires people to know him. Jesus is continuing or fulfilling God's mission to make his name known. And then in uh, Luke 24, um, this is uh, the passage that we uh, looked at last week, um, on the road to Emmaus, uh, we see the disciples sitting there thinking, what's going on? And in verse 24, uh, 45, I'm just going to pause it. And in Luke 24, 45, as Jesus talks to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he tells them that about his death and resurrection, that this is the good news um, of repentance has come and go and preach this news of God's salvation to the ends of the earth. God has acted in Jesus that his name might be known, that blessing would come to the world, the greatest blessing would come, which is that people again can be reconciled to God, part of his new order, his kingdom. Uh, that is the greatest thing. And in question seven, this is kind of a, like a technically an easy one, I guess, for, for those who are familiar with the Bible. I've just got, why is it so crucial for Jesus to be made known? This is as the gospel goes out in the book of Acts. Peter says, hey guys, there is salvation in no other name under heaven given to men, which we can be saved. Everyone needs to know Jesus. Everyone. Here is the name uh, that God has given um, so that people can be reconciled to him. And that actually leads into the next question, verse 8. Is our personal salvation God's ultimate goal? Why or why not? 
I wonder how you'd answer that. Is it is God's ultimate goal just that you and I get saved? Well, I'd love to push the group to say, actually, no, that's not God's ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is that God is worshipped, that there is a kingdom of people, a community of people that enjoy him. And as they enjoy him, that is worshipping him. And that's why salvation is offered, so that people can be part of that community. So our salvation isn't God's ultimate goal. It's actually his worship. But for us to be his worshippers, we need to be redeemed. That's why God has acted through Jesus. So restoration would happen. And God again is surrounded with and by his people. And we see this in verse uh, question 9. Where I've just get the people to flick. We've gone from wow, Genesis to Revelation, uh, Revelation seven, where we see all these nations, tribes, and languages gathered around the throne. And what are they doing? They're worshiping Jesus. His death and resurrection accomplishes God's mission, which we saw in the Old Testament, that God's name would be praised, and that all the nations would be gathered around. Uh, question ten is just a, a quote I found from John Piper. Uh, where he writes, uh, mission is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. How would you respond to this statement? How might it give fuel to your desire for mission? Just for your, your, your crew to think about, yeah, actually, you know what? Mission is not just something the church does. It's not the goal. We want to send people out. We want to go out. We have to do it with guilt. No. Worship is. We want other people to know the goodness of Jesus, the reconciliation that comes through Him, His good kingship, His um, what it means and look, what it looks like to live in His kingdom, uh, to be part of it um, as it's begun, and um, that's the goal. So where there isn't people worshiping, enjoying God's goodness in Christ, uh, we go on mission that people would become His worshippers. So um, hopefully that fuels people to think about mission. And um, last point there, just prayer point, to pray for specifically for one person who you know isn't a worshipper of Jesus, that they might know the goodness um, of him and his kingdom and that they might come to be restored and part of that great tribe of people gathered around the throne, seen in Revelation. So that's like drinking from a fire hydrant, so I'm going to tap out, but um, trust that it is a good time of at least wrestling with some of these passages uh, from the Bible as we think about why mission. Cheers.